0: Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Somebody shout with me, Jesus! Oh, come on, say it again, Jesus! Oh, praise God, praise God! Thank you for everyone, you faithful saints of God. You've been amazing. I don't know when we're going to be able to get back to having gathering services again. They tell me that the bands, we're going to have a new announcement about the bands on May the 1st and others have told me May the 3rd, I'm not real certain. I'm just going to talk to you just for a moment before some of our pastors, regional pastors come and speak to you what they feel God is doing in this hour in their church and what they feel God is doing in the body of Christ. Let me just say what we're going to do. I told you on Wednesday night that I would uh, talk in some detail about that. I know everyone's asking, when are we getting back to the house of God? I wish I knew. And I'm certainly looking forward to the day that we can. Until then, we want to be safe. I have not changed my stance on anything throughout this whole course. We have prayed. We have sought God. We certainly have felt peace in every decision. We're planning on following the bands as our governor makes those decisions, so we're planning on doing that. I would assume that the bands will be lifted incrementally, meaning from 250 gathering to 100, only 100 gathering to 50 to 10 to shelter in. I imagine it will go somewhat reverse order. That's a guess, now I don't, I don't have any facts on that, it just, I hear it's gonna be lifted slowly. If it is a 10 person gathering, then we're gonna be looking at small groups of 10 people. You'll hear more about small groups, but we will continue the broadcast live as we have been. When it gets to uh, 25, it'll stay the same with some small group gathering. You're going to hear about that. Some small groups that can have a group of 25 or less, maybe 10, multiple groups uh, in homes where you can gather and hear the preaching together with some fellowship. When it gets to 50, it's going to be similar uh, when it, and in the daughter work services, they will adjust accordingly to accommodate that number. When it gets to 100, we will begin to have multiple services on Sunday here at the anchor. Sunday morning, 8:30, 11 o'clock, um, 11 o'clock, 12:30, and then 2 o'clock. We're going to be looking at four services. You'll hear more about that when we when we get there. And so. Uh, Until those bans, we have a plan. I want you to know there is a plan in place. But let's talk about right now, uh, where are we at? The church is very healthy. The church is very blessed. We're living in uncertain times. I want to say thank you for everyone that has continued to pray. Uh, You listened to the preaching last week about giving, providing, and reaching out, helping others. Please continue to, to do that. God has blessed you accordingly. I think you should store up. I think you should be wise. I don't think you should take your stimulus money and go buy some unnecessary thing. I I think you should store up. I think you should have things set aside. I think be wise. In my mind, I think about even the ants store up for winter. You need to to be wise. Don't be unwise in your spending. You shouldn't use that for just frivolous things. But you need to be thinking about uh, just a safeguard, a cushion. I just believe that's wisdom to have a level of cushion as we teach in Financial Peace University and we still believe that. Uh, it's going to be an exciting evening. I hope everybody's tuned in and make sure that you share because our pastors are going to be preaching tonight uh, and we have sanitized, we've kept social distancing as we've we been taught to do and have been told to do. We've done that. But they're going to be individually coming and giving a word. It's going to be very, very powerful. Make sure you share your page so people can come and hear the gospel. I heard some interesting things recently. And people are saying, hey, is this the end time? It is. Is this the coming of the Lord? Is it near? You better believe it is. He's coming very soon. I am convinced 100% he's coming in my generation. If you ever gonna get your life in order, you ever gonna get right with God, right now's the time. Don't put off tomorrow what you can do right now. You backslid, walked away from God, let me tell you, God has opened a window of opportunity for you to get right. There are some things going on right now. I'll be teaching more about it. Uh, there is a video I'd like you to watch. It's, it's, it's uh, Pastor Mike Wilson, um, Pastor Art Wilson, who is an ambassador of peace to the United Nations recently in the meeting. It's a video you can look online, he and Pastor Mike Brown, that they, they talk about recent things stuff such as id 2020 things that are coming in that nations are forming an allegiance to a system to bring identification to every single person of the world we're looking at uh there are talks in the united nations about mandatory vaccines we're looking at mandatory you can't leave your house unless you have these things it is what it is i just do believe i'm not saying this is the mark of the beast coming I believe it's leading to the mark of the beast where we can be forced as in Revelation 13 that you cannot buy, sell or trade without the mark of the beast it can be implemented it's, it's like an, an ID tattoo that can be put in that tells whether you have um, the antibodies for certain diseases such as COVID-19 or not have all the information just a simple scan of the hand the Bible says it'll be put in the forehead it'll be put in the hand it is up on us my dad was uh, telling me about a man uh, uh, he knew that quit a company. And the reason he quit the company is because they were making the microchips, rice type of microchips that could be inserted into the hand. We are here. If you've ever talked about the end time or the coming of the Lord, we're here right now. What is the atmosphere? I'm going to talk for a minute and I'm going to get it out of the way. But what is the atmosphere? Of the end time. I'm going to read it to you. Second, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 talks about the coming of the Lord. Verse 2 talks about uh, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Everybody say, it is at hand. Verse 3 says, let no man deceive you by any means. I want you to say that. Let no man deceive you by any means. The atmosphere of the end time is going to be deception it's going to be deception here a little and there a little line upon line precept upon precept people are going to fade away generationally from righteousness from biblical truths to a point that they will accept the antichrist as Christ when he comes look what it says it says, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. Falling away from what? Truth. Falling away from the faith. In Timothy, 1 Timothy 4, he said, In the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving, see, giving heed to seducing spirits. And what? Doctrines of devils. Can I tell you why you should abstain? from, modern a lot of the modern movies in Hollywood and I've preached against it for years going to the movies and I'm going to tell you why because it is a dump yard of agendas of the spirit of antichrist fornication ungodly relationships uh, bucking spiritual authority making religion look bad all of these things that are anti the spirit of Jesus Christ That means the opposite of what Jesus would have stood for. That's the dump yard of that. Why have I preached against going there? Because if you get in an atmosphere long enough, you become desensitized to the things that are right. And I believe that we're living in the atmosphere of the Antichrist. I want you to say this with me. The spirit of the Antichrist is here, which will lead to the revealing of that Antichrist, who will set himself up as God in this end time he will we don't know who that man is yet It goes on to say verse 4 and I, I just mentioned that you can go back and read it it goes on to say verse 6 and now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time for the mystery of iniquity doth already work iniquity is here I'm going to tell you, if you're thinking about feeling tempted with lust and sin, don't you dare walk away from God right now. It's an atmosphere of deception. It's not the will of God to let sin in your home and sin in your life. Some of you parents need to go through those DVD cases. You need to go through that, through, through the stuff that you watch and clean your house out and say, I will not be deceived. Because the Bible says in that day, even the very elect will dis- be deceived He goes on and says, verse eight, and then shall that wicked, notice it's capitalized, wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. And with all what? Watch this, the atmosphere of the end time is gonna be deception. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not just not the truth, they received not the love of the truth. They heard it, but never fell in love with it. They believed it, but they didn't embrace it. It was just a Sunday event. Oh, yes, I'm apostolic. Oh, yes, I'm a Christian. But when temptation came, they sold the truth for some satisfaction of their carnal flesh. I'm going to tell you right now, if he can walk up Golgotha's hill and give his life for you and me, then you and I should be able to give our life for him so we can have eternity with him. I say to you, say no to your sin. Say no to the flesh. Say no to what the devil's trying to do. Now watch, I'm going to walk out. I'm going to step aside here in just a moment. Pastor Tony Richards is going to come in and follow him. Uh, a few more of our pastors will preach but listen to this preacher right now how do you stop yourself from being deceived you say you sound fearful I'm going to tell you right now my prayer is God don't ever let me be deceived you ought to pray that at the house don't ever let me fall in the false doctrine don't ever let me fall away from truth this is what Paul said that verse 11 for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie that they all that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness before you click on that website because you're bored, before you make some excuse why unrighteousness is okay, you better understand there's a day and time that God will turn you over to yourself because you never fell in love with this wonderful truth, somewhere you've got to embrace righteousness and love righteousness All right, pastor, well, tell me, tell me, tell me how I can stop from being deceived. I'm going to tell you. He said, verse 13, he said, but we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification. That means to be made holy or separated. Sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Verse 14, whereunto he called you by our gospel. I'm going to preach that with confidence. These pastors' gospel, these pastors pastoring pastoring around the region because of our gospel. I believe what I preach is truth. I really do. You say, you're getting awful stern and passionate. Yes, I'm passionate. I'm standing between you and hell and you and eternity. I don't want my kids to be deceived. I want them to love the truth. I I hear the biblical writers say, by the truth, and sell it not do you love the truth or is this just formality to you do you just turn this on because it's what you're supposed to do I come to tell you I hope something gets a hold of your heart and you fall in love with apostolic truth again you fall in love with the gospel again therefore look what it says in 15 brethren stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught whether by word or our epistle. Listen, I'm going to tell you how to stay saved. How to not be deceived. Is to have a preacher that's unwavering in the biblical word. And I'm glad at the anchor we've got pastors across this region that are established in this truth. They didn't get in this to please men. They got in this to, got in this to please Jesus Christ. Hey Amen. I want you to stand and honor the preachers that are coming. They're not all gonna have you to stand. They're just gonna tag team preach one, one after another. They're social distancing, We're not, We're not. They're, they're sanitized. We're taking care of that. But let me tell you something, I want you to stand and lift your hands and say thank God for a preacher. Come on, how can you hear unless you have a preacher and how can he preach except he be sent? Come on, right now in your home say thank God for a preacher that's unwavering. Thank you God for a preacher that stays in the book. Thank you for a preacher that wants to please you, oh God, and not us. Lord, Don't let me be the seed. God bless you today. Pastor Richard.
1: Praise the Lord, everyone. It's good to be with you tonight in the house of the Lord and in your homes. I do feel like tonight that, that we're going to be, there's an impartation of the spirit here. None of these pastors have discussed what they're going to preach, but pastor had asked us to preach what the Lord has put on our hearts. And I do believe we're in certain times, and I believe tonight that the people of God will be empowered, and they'll be commissioned, and they'll be encouraged. I watched a video yesterday from uh, Maryville, Tennessee, Kenny Carpenter's church, that was a video clip, and the subject was about things greater than heaven and worse than hell and I washed it in tears, and I washed it about at least 10 times yesterday because I didn't want it to leave my spirit. I didn't want it to leave my spirit because there's a day coming. Jesus Christ is coming, and there there is a certain voice right now, even though in uncertain times, there is a certain voice right now speaking to us, and it is the voice of God. I'm thankful for pastor and bishop who keeps his foot on the gas pedal, so to speak. He understands the great commission of Jesus Christ. He understands the meaning of the gospel. I I hear him say often when he preaches, hell's too hot and heaven's too sweet and eternity's too long to play games with God. And I got to praying and thinking the Lord just it's been dealing with me months ago about the call of God. Many people wonder what their purpose is in the kingdom of God. And tonight, I don't want to touch on this very quickly, four things, and I'll get out of the way. The call of God. Amen. First of all, scripture says many are called, but few are chosen. I've heard over the years that people will say, I want... What is my calling, God? And what is it? What's my purpose? And I would submit to you that there are four things, four things. And I'll throw you out some statistics really quick that are sobering for us to make us realize the responsibility, amen, that we have to preach this gospel. We have to share this gospel. Nine out of ten Americans cannot accurately define the meaning of the Great Commission. 31% of all adults do not know the meaning of the word Gospel. 52% of born again Christians claim they shared their faith with a non Christian in the past year. Nearly half of all Christians do not think it's their responsibility to share the gospel with others. Praise the Lord. Amen. Statistics show that well over 80% of people that come to Jesus Christ come with a personal interaction with another person. I'm all for Zoom. I'm all for Facebook Live. I'm all for YouTube services. I'm so thankful for that today. But the early church did not have what we had. Amen. All they had was a clock. All they had was an altar where they could call on the name of the Jesus and be led by the Spirit of God. And I present to you the key, the first key to answer the call of God. There has to be something from within you. There has to be something that's born inside of you first that will make you realize that people are lost and people are going to hell. Whether we want to, we a lot of people don't like to talk about it, but it's as real tonight. And you gotta answer the call from within. That is the call. Paul said it like this in the book of Acts chapter 26 or, and, and 19. The vision, or when he was talking to Agrippa and he was pleading his case, he said that I should not be disobedient to the heavenly vision. We have to be obedient to the heavy, heavenly vision. Paul was testifying to Agrippa. He was pleading his case. He was sharing his testimony. You can't control how people respond for what God has done for you in your life, but you must use your voice to share Share it and it will be birthed within you first. So, number one, the first call, the first your first purpose is to answer the call from within. You answer the call from within, and then there'll come a call with from without people that you're connected to. In the book of Acts 16 and 9, a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man from Macedonia saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Oh, praise the Lord! I believe this book, I believe it's the precious truth of God. I believe it's the truth and the word of God that will set you free. And there are people that are calling. There are people that wanna hear this great gospel of Jesus Christ. When the Holy Ghost prompts you, it's prompting many people right now. The Lord has our attention. You pick up that phone and you make that call. When the Holy Ghost prompts you to give that offering, give that offering. When the Holy Ghost prompts you to go on that fast, go on that fast. Answer the call from without. Call number three is the call from above. Hebrews 12, one says, we are so compassed with a great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight in the sin that so easily beset us. Let us run with race, run the with patience the race that is set before us. Do you realize tonight that there is a great host? There is a great host. The Bible says there is joy in heaven when one sinner repents. Hallelujah. When just one sinner repents, there is joy in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Bishop, for never watering down the word of God. Thank you for preaching the word of God with compassion and love and with truth amen I, th- I, th- I believe tonight in heaven I believe the Lord is rooting for us but we are compassed about with so great cloud of witnesses amen how many believe there's joy in the presence of the angels when one sinner repents amen God is not willing that anyone should perish but that all should come to repentance I was so stirred in my spirit yesterday as I was watching this because I don't want to see my family lost and as Bishop Carpenter was preaching this message, it just gripped my heart. I can't really talk about it without crying. He said, know what's greater than heaven." He said, "When you get to heaven, when you enter, you enter this call from within and without, and the call from above, the drawing of the Holy Ghost." And he said, "When you get to heaven, when you're around the throne of God, it's going to be the greatest thing. But when you get around and you see your your." your family with you, you see your mama with you, you see your daddy with you, you see your son with you, you see your daughter with you, you see your brother-in-law with you, you see your sister-in-law with you, you saw saints that you invested in, you saw people that you love. I'm gonna tell you something, friend, that's worth fighting for. Something greater than heaven is taking those with you that you witnessed to, that you shared the gospel to. But tonight it's a little bit sombering Bishop Carpenter, I I advise all of you to watch it. It has nearly one million views. It's so stirring. He says, you need to exit while you can exit now. Because he said, here's the thing, the last call. There's a call from within, a call from without, and a call from above. But then there's a call from beneath. (laughs) Luke 16, 28. The rich man. When he went to hell... He asked to send Lazarus that I can get some water, just a drip of water. And it wasn't possible. And then he goes on and he testifies. Seems now he's answering a call from within, a call from without, and a call from above. But it's too late. Because he asked, he says, send Lazarus to tell my brothers. Tell my brothers. Testify to them, lest all say that they should come into this place of torment. The rich man who died and went to hell lifted up his eyes. Father Abraham, send Lazarus, send him here. And Abraham told him ever so sadly that he could not, because there was a great gulf fixed between them. And when he heard the news, he told them to send him, to send him, and tell him the news. He told them to send Lazarus back to his brothers and tell them not to come to the place where he was. Do you all feel that tonight? Oh, we got to get out while we can get out now. We've got to exit while we can get exit now. Because I'm telling you something. Don't misread what I'm about to say. But there are multitudes beneath right now. We want to see everybody go to heaven, but not everybody's going to heaven. Amen. And hell wasn't created for none of us, by the way. Jesus bought us out at Calvary by the precious blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ. Amen. And we answer that call. We repent of our sins, are baptized in Jesus' name, and receive the wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost. But all too Uh, unfortunately, all too many times, you hear me, the greatest commitments are going on in hell right now. The greatest prayer meetings are going on in hell right now. The greatest preachers are preaching in hell right now. But they all waited too late. And friend, if you're still breathing tonight, it's not too late to call on the name of the Lord. It's not too late to turn back to God now. I leave you with this thought. God's ear is attentive to our voice right now. Did you hear me? God's ears is attentive to our voice right now. In 2 Kings 20, read this passage. I'm out of the way. The next one can get ready to come. There's a sickness in the land right now. It reminded me of this story, and it will encourage you tonight. The Bible says, In those days, Hezekiah was sick unto death. And the prophet Isaiah the man of God came to him. Aren't you glad that a man of God will come and preach a word to you and not necessarily tell you what you want to hear but what you need to hear? The prophet didn't necessarily come with good news but he came with the truth to Hezekiah. Now watch what it says. He came to him and said, Thus saith the Lord, set thy house in order. If there's ever time to get your house in order, it's now. If it's time to start praying, it's now. If it's time to be a soul winner, it's now. Set your house in order for thou shalt die and not live. Then he turned. Repentance is, another word for that is turned. He received the word of the Lord. He received it in, a, in his heart. He allowed the truth to convict his heart and stir him in his spirit. Then he turned his face to the wall. Watch this, he prayed unto the Lord saying, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember how I have walked before thee in truth with a perfect heart and done that which is good in thy sight. Watch this, the man of God brought a word. He goes right to prayer. Isaiah is not even out of the house yet. It can happen in suddenly. It can happen in one moment. Things can turn around in one prayer tonight in your house if you call on the name of the Lord. He said, I've served you. I've done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. It came to pass that as Isaiah was going out to the middle court that the word came to him again. Turn again and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, thus saith the Lord, the God of thy father, I have heard thy prayer. I will heal thee. Here's the word for for you. And on the third day, thou shalt go up to the house of the Lord. I know we're going to get to go to the house of the Lord again, but the second half of your life's going to be better better than the first half of your life. Aren't you thankful for God's restoration? Aren't you thankful for the day you quit running from God and run to God? I think we ought to clap our hands to the Lord and thank him for his word tonight. Answer that call from within. Answer it from without. Answer it from above and let the Lord work in your life. Amen. Let's clap our hands to the Lord in your homes.
2: Thank you, Pastor Richard. Praise God. Praise God. I am Pastor Milik from Cambridge on the east side. Glad to be with you tonight with these tremendous men of God. I uh, am honored to be here. Thank you for allowing me. Acts 16, 14, and a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God. That's important. She worshipped God. God. There are people out there that are worshiping God, but they just don't have the fullness of the truth yet. And God will send someone to them, and it might be you, and it might be me. But she worshiped God. She heard us. We were there. We'd gone to pray, and she heard us, whose heart the Lord opened. And that's what we have to do. Lord, open someone's heart. Send me to someone that that needs you, that's willing to hear uh, what I've got to say from you. I prayed this prayer one time, and uh, I, I was on a job, went to the lunchroom, and this girl was in there. She started complaining, and I thought, I'm going to eat fast and get out of here. I go to lunch again the next day, but I'd prayed that prayer again the next day. Lord, send me to someone that's hungry. The next day, she's in there again and immediately starts complaining how hot it was, the hours they had to work, how much they weren't getting paid. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, help me, God, I'm not even hungry anymore. i got to get away from this girl. And so the third day, I prayed before I went to work, Lord, send me to someone that's hungry. And I go to lunch, and I open the door, and she's not in there. I'm, yes, I can enjoy my lunch. I get in there, sit down, and she comes running in with this huge smile on her face, which I'd never seen her smile before, because she was complaining all the time. She said, I'm so glad you're here. I was hoping you'd be here. I want to talk to you. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord touched me, and I realized, you dummy, you've been praying for three days. This was the one three days ago that you were asking for. She said, what I want to know is one thing. I said, okay. She said, why do you smile all the time? I said, I don't smile all the time. She said, yeah, you do. She said, I work in my little air-conditioned booth here. I worked at an amusement park. She said, you're a security guard. You got all the uniform on. You're out there walking on that black pavement, dying of heat, but you're out there smiling all the time. What's going on? I said, well, a long time ago, I gave my life to the Lord. He's just fulfilled me ever since. She said, that's what I want. I I was hoping that was your answer. She came to church. Three days later, she had the Holy Ghost. So there are people out there that are worshiping God. But you got to pray, Lord, open someone's heart that I could be there at the right time and talk to them at the right time. And guess what? She attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized, he told her that one too. And her household was baptized. She said, it's too good for just me. I I want it for my whole household. She besought us saying, "If if ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house, come into my house and abide here, and she constrained us. Now, if you've ever studied Paul, Paul was a strong personality, and to constrain Paul, well, you've succeeded at something, but Paul saw this is an open-hearted person, and probably we need a place to stay anyway. So, you know the story, and it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying, and Paul rebuked that spirit. That girl set free, praise God, but everybody else wasn't happy. She'd brought her masters much gain, and there was no gain anymore. Big ruckus goes on in the town. The magistrates get mad. They put them in the inner prison. We, we know the story. They're whipped, beaten, put in stocks, and And at midnight, they sing and they pray. They sing and they pray. Man, I've had to sing and pray more the last few weeks. It's been more. It's been different. It's been a struggle, I must admit. But I can't just pray because just praying just begging God. But when you sing, there's just some sort of praise that raises up in you. I just got to glorify the Lord. I just got to lift my hand while I'm singing. It's different than just praying you got to combine those two together at this midnight hour that we're in. Praise God. And so we know the story, the, the, the earthquake, and they're set free. And guess what? The jailer brings them to his house. <laughs> and, and he says, tell me what i got to do to be saved. Oh, man, that's, that's the best question you ever want to hear anywhere. Well, I'll tell you what. And he says, well, you have to believe on the Lord. Well, that must not have been all he told him because he got baptized, the next verse says. He must have told him to be baptized too, and he came in. And his whole house, he came into his house. And this has been affecting me for weeks. The more and more I read, especially the New Testament, it talks about houses. People go into people's houses, and, and why was that? Well, it was a new thing. Jesus died 30 A.D. Fifty days later, the Holy Ghost is poured out. We now are are in the apostolic age. There was no buildings. There was no program to to have. Uh, um, places like this, obviously, and so what they do, they went to people's houses, and they had church in people's houses. They had churches in people's houses. We know for at least two hundred years after Jesus died, and the apostolic church was instituted. There is no physical evidence of a church house being built. What there has been found, just in the last couple of years, in a in a lower ever a, a level in Jerusalem, are these houses that had these huge rooms, not huge crazy like this this huge but way bigger than someone's home would have even if you had a lot of kids and they're thinking these were probably some places where the church in jerusalem met they were first century buildings they just excavated them and, and all the the news came out for 200 years after the the apostolic church was begun there were apostolic churches in people's homes obviously from israel to turkey to England, to Spain, and back to Egypt. In 200 years, the whole region surrounding the Mediterranean Sea was covered by the apostolic gospel through people's homes. And so you wonder when it kind of leveled off there, when the revival ended, was it when they started going to church houses? Now, we're not going to stop going to church houses. Oh, please let us come back to this church house. But what we can't stop is having church at home. We cannot stop that. We got that begun, praise God. Thank God we had foresight to have live stream several years ago. And here we are. You can have church at home and and enjoy the presence of the Lord. Feel the same glory there as we're feeling here. Listen to this. So they finally get sent out out of the prison. They're like, get out of here. Go away. And so listen to what happens in verse 40. And they went out of the prison And entered into the house of Lydia. (laughs) And when they had seen the brethren, the saints were there. And they comforted them. They had a little church. Then they departed. And I wonder if that house of Lydia became the church of the Philippians. I just wonder. In prayer, I had this thing in my mind, and they're not always visions, I have a vivid imagination, but I saw these plastic signs that said, the anchor church meets here, and they were in people's yards, out in their front yard, and people would drive by and see, the anchor church meets here, (laughs) I don't know if that's the Lord, or or if that's, I was having too much pizza, but it sort of gave me a whole lot of joy, praise God, amen, amen. The pastor says, Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. For some of you, you think you can't do this. For some of you, you think you couldn't have church in your home. You you think this is way too far. What if it was an emergency? When an emergency comes on someone, people have lifted cars off people when an emergency came. When an emergency situation arises, you'd be surprised what you can't what you can do. I'm a relatively quiet natured fella. But a little boy got hit behind my house a few years back and I heard the screeching tires and I heard the thud on, on, on the vehicle and I heard a mother scream and involuntarily, I jumped over my back fence and ran to that house. I was there within seconds and she's holding her little boy. The face is all bloody. And I didn't have time to say, hey, I'm Pastor Milik." I... I hope you won't mind if I start praying. I, I do pray out loud, I hope that's okay. I don't wanna disturb the neighbors here, if that's all right, I'll, I couldn't do it. I started screaming out to God, cause she was screaming, it was an emergency. And I said, Lord, you created this boy, you put life back in him. Well, the EMTs had got there at that time and I hear everybody gasp that had gathered around. That little boy's chest goes like that. That EMT grabbed him up. He tells the other guy, go, go, go. And he actually took off in the ambulance before the other guy was in the back. He jumps in the back with that little boy. They run to the helipad and take him to Children's Hospital. Unfortunately, later that night, he died. But I had never prayed quite like that because of that emergency. And I want to tell you, we are living in an emergency hour. We're living in a time well, we've got to reach out. We've got to go beyond ourselves. We've got to be someone else. Let's lift our hands and worship the Lord for a minute. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. Bless us in Jesus'
3: name. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise God. I'm Pastor Christman from the Anchor Church of Cambridge. I'm just going to get right into the message tonight. I'll try not to be too long. Over the last week, the Lord has dealt with me uh, very strongly on one scripture, Thessalonians 5 and 19, quench not the spirit, quench not the spirit. And so I began to dig into the scripture uh, today in, in my prayer time and trying to prepare for this evening and uh, I found out that the word quench means to put out or to extinguish, like putting out a fire. But it also means more than that, it means to restrict, it means to limit. Or it means to downsize a man, and so when you, I would read this the the verse quench not the spirit. Uh, I would think of totally putting out what God was trying to do, but. If we limit God, we are quenching what God purposed in the first place. The Lord spoke to me this afternoon and and he said these words. The magnitude of the flow is greater than the capacity to receive it. And what he was trying to say is the flow of my spirit is greater than my people are able to receive what I want to pour out or pour into my church is greater than my people are able by their capacity to receive it. And immediately I saw the picture of a funnel where it's big on one end, but it's small on the other end. The the, the, the big end represents God's end. He's pouring in faster than we can pour out. His ability to pour out uh, through us is is basically uh, limited by our uh, ability to believe what God wants to do. I believe in this last hour, in this season that God is using the situation that we are in to blow out our end of the funnel so that we can receive what God is wanting to pour out through us. The, The magnitude of the flow of the Spirit of God is greater than our capacity to receive it. God is not caught by surprise. God is is not in a mess. God's church is not going down. But I believe that he is preparing us for the greatest revival that he, we have ever seen. I believe he is positioning us to be the church in this last day. He's going to use this for our good. The enemy meant it for evil. But God is preparing his church to be the church of the last day. If you believe that, clap your hands and love him today. For he is worthy. The Spirit of God is wanting to move in a way that we are not ready to receive. I went back and read the scriptures that Pastor Bounds preached from last week in 2 Chronicles 29. And as I was reading the passage of scripture today, there was a verse that jumped out to me very clearly. 2 Chronicles 29 and 34, I I couldn't get past it. Once I got to this scripture, I couldn't read any further. The Lord began to deal with my spirit. And the word of the Lord says, but the priests were too few so that they could not fillet all the burnt offerings, therefore their brothers, the Levites, did help them. What had happened is the house of God had been closed for so long that the people had not been bringing their sacrifices, but when they got word that the doors of the church were open, there was a flood of sacrifice. There was a flood of people wanting to give to God, but there weren't enough to do the work that was in the temple. I want to tell this church tonight that when we open the doors of this church, the floodgates are going to open. There's going to be more work than we can handle. We're going to need every abled-bodied man and woman to accept the call of God. It's time to blow out your end of the funnel. It's time to allow the Spirit of God to use you in the capacity that He has deemed necessary to Advance his kingdom to few pastors is not going to be enough to handle the flood of sacrifice. We need every man and every woman to get their hands in the work. Clap your hands and love him if you, were, if you believe what I'm preaching tonight. Amen. The Bible tells us the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. Come on, the harvest is greater than our capacity to pull it off the vine. The harvest is bigger than we've prepared for. I want to tell you tonight, God is preparing us this moment. I believe He is positioning us. I believe that He is imparting wisdom and knowledge and understanding into our bishop. We're going to lose small groups, we're going to go forth into the homes. We're going to be the church of the 21st century. I believe He's restoring the book of Acts, Church. I believe that this is what He has called us to be in these last days. Come on, why don't you lift your hands if you believe that? Begin to call on the name of the Lord right now and tell Him, God, I want to find my place in the body. I want to work the way that You have purposed for me to work. I'm going to go to Bishop and ask Him, "What can I do to further the kingdom? What can I do to help? What?" Can and I do to help the priests in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.
4: Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. There's an anointing in this room right now. Why don't you just lift your hands where you're at, Lord Jesus. Your anointing is strong and powerful. We've come into your presence and your glory. God, we want revival. We want to do what we need to do. Lord God, in our spirit and in our lives to do, to be what you want us to be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is a phrase, there is a commercial that is on television. It is this phrase, What's in your wallet? But my question to you this evening is, what is in your closet? Psalms chapter 20, verses 1 through 9. The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. The name of, God of ja- the name of the God of Jacob defend thee. Send thee help from the sanctuary and strengthen thee out of, of Zion. Remember all thy offerings ex- except thy burnt sacrifice, Selah. Grant thee according to thy own heart and fulfill all thy counsel. We will rejoice in thy salvation. In the name of our God, we will set up our Banners, the Lord, fulfill all thy parti, part, petitions. Now, now know that I am the Lord. I, the Lord, saveth his anointed. He will hear from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They are brought down and are fallen, but we are risen and stand up right. Say the Lord. Let the king hear us when we call. James chapter 4 and verse 2. Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because you ask not. Ye ask and receive not because you ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your own lust. We live in an age... Of tremendous prosperity and ease in the American culture. We are blessed. We are so blessed abundantly. And I love that the Lord has blessed the church and we have prospered greatly. But we cannot lose sight of what God has done for us and what we're and where we're headed. We cannot let riches and prosperity take us from the sum of what God wants us to do. Seven words sum up the weight of our ill inflicted uh, self-inflicted wounds or things that we've done. You have not because you ask not. And because you ask not in the right manner, you ask amiss. My question is this. What's in your closet? Yet as a nation, we are... Spiritually poverty-stricken, we are we are destitute because we live in a generation that some can be summed up in three words: need of nothing. Our Lord spoke to this spoke to this generation in Revelation chapter three and seventeen. Thou sayest, "I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing." Knowest thou not? Knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked? We have become a self-reliant America. But we have found out in the last few weeks that America is not just self-reliant, but the world depends on us and we depend on the world. We really don't have the control that we thought we have. We have become self-sufficient and we have forgot about the God of the universe that created us to live and commune with Him on a daily basis, we have forgot about our prayer closet. We have forgot about because there's so much, thing, so many things that draw us away from the presence of God. As material prosperity increases, vitality decreases. Thoughts for God are lost in the mind for the simple reason that God is not needed anymore but I believe there's an awakening in the church right now. In the last few weeks, I've seen things that have been preached about all of my life start to come to fruition. I believe this is the beginning of the end of this world. But I also believe... That the latter rain is going to be greater than the former rain. There's going to be a great outpouring and a great influx of people into the church because they're finding out that the things of this world don't really matter. They don't satisfy your soul. You can go after anything you want, but it's not going to fill the longing that God created in you. When he created man, he created a place for us to be in communication with him. All your cars, all your fancy houses, all the things that you can obtain, all the money you can put in the bank will not place, take the place of the place that God has in your heart. What's in your closet? I love the blessings of God, but they are not my focus. I've chased and I've worked my tail off to obtain things, and money goes through your hands like water, down a drain. Money doesn't satisfy. The things of this life will not satisfy you. The government giving you a a check to sustain you. And I've watched the last few weeks people get their checks and they run to the Home Depot or they run to Walmart and they buy things that are not needed. They're trying to fill a void that was never meant to be filled with televisions or with, with material things. The best thing you can do with that money is put it in the bank and pay your bills. There's an old song that we used to sing. It's shut in with God in a secret place. The disciples were praying for the power to fall. Ten days they did tarry on God they did call. Then God sent a spirit to baptize them all for they had been shut in with God. Shut in with God in a secret place, there in the spirit, beholding his face, gaining new power to run in this race. Oh, how I love to be shut in with God! Of all pleasant places on land or on sea, there's no place on earth that is sweeter to me than to kneel at the feet of my master and Lord, for there I'll be shut in with God. The pathway to heaven. The rugged it may be, I'll travel to my precious precious Savior, I'll see. Then the gates of that city will open for me, and I'll be shut in with God. Shut in with God in a secret place. There in the Spirit, beholding His face. Gaining new power to run in this race. Oh, how I love to be shut in with God. Be not not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask. Matthew 6 and 6 says, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. This morning, when I got out of bed, I went to my closet, and I chose what I was going to wear for the day. I picked out a suit that I could wear because when I go to church, I go to see the king, and I want to wear the best that is available to me to go to see the king. But you know, I don't put my suit on to go to work because I don't have that kind of a job. I am a carpenter. When I go to the closet in the morning to go to work, I get my jeans out, I get my work boots out, and I get the clothes on that I need. The closet in your house houses the the image of your public life. I'll say it again. The closet in your house houses the image of your public life. Your spiritual closet also houses the image of what the people of this world see in you. What's in your closet. You need that closet because in that plot closet, you can vent to God and tell him things that you wouldn't tell anybody else. I don't go to the prayer room and tell God all the details of the things that are going on in my life. But I can get in an altar in my home, in a prayer closet with nobody around, and I can tell him everything that's going on in my life. One man said two things drive men to a closet of prayer and that's secret sins and a secret burden and both of them need to be brought before the Lord but a secret burden comes alive when we get on our knees and in our closet. Often often things make their way into our closets that are not intended ever to be there. We all have had cluttered closets. You get in you you get in your closet and you start looking for something. Man, my closet's not the not the most organized, but I've been in, I've worked in houses where everything's on a shelf, and you walk in that place. There's no there's no anxiety. You just walk in and get your shoes and your and your pants and whatever you're going to wear. Some people even put them in match. Uh, they put their clothes, their shoes, and their shirt and their pants that they're going to wear with those shoes on the line. I'm not OCD like Tony. I had to get that in there. But Jesus wants us to be organized in our prayer closet. There's things in our prayer closet, in our closet in life that we've got to get out so God can move through us. We live in a day. In the summer in, in the summer in the spring, Tracy gets in her closet and she cleans out all the things from the winter time, and she replaces those things with the things of the summer. She also, in the fall, takes the things of the summer in the spring and puts them in a clo- in and in totes and puts them away for the for the winter because the things in the winter don't work in the summer and the things in the summer don't work in the winter. There are seasons in our life that we go through, and you have to be. Put in your closet the things that are necessary for the season that you're living in. Jesus had a very demanding public ministry. He was thronged by the, cra- by the crowds. The wedding, the blind Bartimaeus. The centurion, the Syrophoenician woman. The cry of the hungry crowd. All of those things demanded his attention. But yet, Jesus had to find a place that was a secret place of prayer, a time alone. If it was important for Jesus to take time to pray in a secret place and get away from everybody and rejuvenate his spirit, it, we must have a closet. We must have a place to pray. We must have a place that's clean where, God, we can go in there. And when, we, when God speaks to us and we go through that certain situation in our life, God, will, we will be dressed in the appropriate manner. Know the season of your life that you're in so you will have the right spiritual garment ready to wear. Again, I ask you what is in your closet. (laughs) Psalms 91, chapters verses 1 and 2 he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty I will say of the Lord he is my refuge and my fortress my God in him will I trust if you want answers from God if you want things from God you must enter into the closet with a clean heart with a pure spirit David said create in me a clean heart O God renew a right spirit within me how am I going to lead somebody to Christ if my closet's not clean what has to happen in this hour when time is coming to an end we've got to have a clean closet we've got to have a pure heart and we have to have motives that are kingdom minded and not self minded I ask you again in closing God bless you in in the cleaning of your closet make room for him but I ask you this question what's in your closet
5: Praise the Lord. Just lift your hands right in your home, right where you're at. Sanctuary in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15. And he said, Hearken ye all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. There are many battles we face as believers, but there's one in particular that I believe God wants us to face head on. Last night after our Zoom call, a pastor encouraged us to go pray, begin to ponder tonight. And so as soon as I hung up, went into my prayer place, the Holy Ghost just came, just boom, just instantly began weeping and crying before God, and, and uh, the Lord put this into my spirit that I believe it's an impartation. Um, there's many that's going to be coming back home. Amen. And I'm, I'm preaching to you. You're watching tonight. And the Lord wants you to know that he's willing to fight for you. You say, where are you going, preacher? Just, just hold on for a moment. Multitudes are coming back home where they belong. You belong here, and it's time to come home. The band's going to lift. It's going to be in increments. It'll be a season of mercy and the grace of God. And you're going to have an opportunity to come back to where you're called. You can go to any church and visit. But there's places that <clears throat> when you give your life to God, you truly repent, baptize Jesus, and fill with the Holy Ghost, there's a place in the body that he calls you to. And there's a discontentment when you don't line up with that truth and your spirit, that'll never go away. Uh, reminded at Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, the question arises from the enemy in Matthew 4, 5 through 6, then the devil take him up to the hill to a pinnacle of the temple and we'll said unto him, if... You're the Son of God. Cast yourself down, for it is written. He'll give his angels charge concerning you. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone, if thou be the Son of God. The battle for the returning of those coming home, this is what God spoke to me, Pastor. The battle for those returning, coming home, is a battle that is an attack on the mind and the thoughts. There's a battle awaiting for the ones returning home. There's a spirit, and I've seen it as being a pastor, that when people come back home, they, they backslid and they left God, so on and so forth. They make their way back to the Lord. They pray through. And then I can see the spirit attack them to try to say, you're not welcome. Or your past is still being judged. That's a lie. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. The battle is not yours, but it's the Lord's. The Spirit says you're not welcome. There's people judging you. There's a, it's, it's all the attempts of the enemy of our souls to get you deceived or offended. I'm just going to put it out there. Or offended to leave again. So the Lord has quickened me by the Holy Ghost to call on the body of Jesus Christ to be the voice of validation and be the voice of the one at the altar standing in the gap for our brother and sister. Now as a a war is continuous, a battle is that battle at the moment. What are you saying, preacher? Meaning that when you come back, you don't have to fight that all the time. You're not going to fight that all the time. In Jesus' name. The Lord fights for his people. The Lord fights for his people. Now get this, I'm not going to be long and the the, the music can come if they want to. Wherefore, listen to this, Hebrews 7.25, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. God has trusted the body to stand in the gap beyond their homecoming. We can start praying now against the spirits that's going to fight you and even fighting you right now. Constant decisions. Should I go? Should I not go? Should I go? Should I not go? Do they love me? Will I be forgiven? Yes. That is a spirit that's not from the church. That's from the devil himself. And I've been sent to tell you the battle is not yours. But it's the Lord's. And so there's an impartation right now that God is calling some to stand in the gap against the spirits that's going to try to fight our brother and sister who's not fallen once nor twice but three times or more. Now listen to this what the Lord gave me in closing. Uh, Proverbs 24, 16. A just man falls seven times but he rises up again. But the wicked shall fall into mischief. Listen to this. Some of you have fallen or left the church not once, twice, three times. Listen. that He that said seven times. You've only fallen three. Get back up again. But there's nothing beyond seven. There's going to come a moment, and I believe that through the prayers of the body of Christ, that you're not going to fall again in Jesus' name. It's time to come home. This is where you belong. It's time to come home. God is burdening some people to stand in the gap for them. God says, I'm gonna protect your mind. I'm gonna protect your spirit. When you come back home, I'm gonna protect your family. Those same spirits that warred against you, the body of Jesus Christ is gonna stand even right now in the name of Jesus praying against those spirits. It's not the church. The Listen, our flesh, our we- the war is not against flesh and blood. It's against spirits and principalities. Don't listen to those lies. Don't listen to those lies. It's not of God, it's of the devil. You can, you're still called to preach the gospel, you're still called to be an intercessor. God has a place for you in the kingdom of God. You've only fallen three times, but a just man falls seven times. And when you come back this time, you're going to find victory. The battle is not yours, but it's the Lord's battle. And I'm gonna have my pastor come in here just one moment and I want him to pray. We're gonna intercede right now for you. We're gonna stand in the gap right now for you. We need all hands on deck. We need everybody coming back home. All the dumb stuff, it's gotta go out the window. I need my brother, I need my sister. We need you coming back home. It's time to come home. And there's people that's gonna stand in the gap praying for your success. The battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. Pastor, would you come? Jesus ever maketh intercession for his people. What's that mean? He died on Calvary. He was buried, he rose a third day, ascended into glory, poured out his spirit, and he picked up another body, and that's the body of Christ. We are called to intercede for many things but specific, specifically tonight this is what the Lord dropped in my spirit we are going to fight the battle before they come home this spirit and you're not going to war against it I believe that you're not going to war against it anymore lift your hands in your home right now let those hot tears come down your face right now because now is a time for deliverance go ahead and do what the preacher said
0: I want you to receive that word. This is my victory. This is my moment. My struggle is about to lead me to battle. is gonna be won. I will not battle that in my mind anymore. Come on, I want you to repent right now. Come on, if you're not right with God, I want you to get on your knees and say in the name of Jesus, Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for walking away. I'm sorry for failing you, oh God. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to lead my family to hell. God, I want to get where I need to be with you. Come on, pray, pray man, pray lady of God. Seek the Lord again. The Bible says the word of the Lord came again to Abraham and the word of the Lord came again the second time to Solomon. And the Lord came a second time to Jonah. And I believe the Lord has come to you again tonight Oh, to change your life forever. You can make it, you don't have to be lost. Do not accept failure as final. Get up, get up, get up, and get a hold of God in the name of Jesus. Come on, lift your head to the heels, which with your help, your help cometh. lord i pray for you right now in the name of jesus i pray for every viewer i pray for every backslider every discouraged saint everybody that's struggling right now in the battle but brother nehemiah priest of health i pray for victory i pray for peace i pray for an understanding heart oh lord let there be some get up to get inside of him to rise again lord to that place of dedication to that place of praying again oh god to that place of becoming a levite that'll say i'll heed to the call like pastor tony priest i will head here to the call of god to the call within me oh lord in jesus name that every knee will bow every tongue will confess listen if you don't bend your knee and bow confess that he's lord now there will be a day that you will but you better bow now instead of have to bow later in your life, maybe even in judgment or eternity. The Bible says every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Why don't you do that? Why don't you bow in your home? Why don't you bow in your home right now and say in the name of Jesus, oh God, you are Lord. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of my life. Come on, everybody watching if you can. Bend your knee and say, The Lord, He is the God. Sing tonight. Lead us
3: in worship. Come on. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.